welcome back to Russell Street Replay. I'm your host, Nick Hilmetha, and with me, as always, is Ronald Tooth. This week is our special guest is Ben Dacu, also one of our pals from the Russell Street Report. Ben, how you doing? Ron, nice to have you back. I'm doing good, guys. Uh, enjoying um, my day after the Super Bowl. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm ready to talk some Ravens football with you guys. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a very interesting Super Bowl. I'll give you props for getting uh, Ben's last name right as well, Nikhil. I know he's a stickler for that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with everyone with everyone listening. I asked him before we got started because I didn't want to mess that up. Uh, see, I was I was gonna let you have that one. I wasn't. I, I, I appreciate it, but but <laughs> I can't I can't I can't act like I'm some some crazy natural like that. Um, but yeah, and, and it was, it was a fun Super Bowl. Eric Weddle got his ring, which is probably the biggest Ravens related thing to happen. Uh, Calais Campbell announced he's not going to retire. So a couple of tidbits of news. Um, and we're finally kind of into the NFL off season. We're just, we're pretty much exactly a month away from the, uh, the start of the new season and we'll, we'll be heading into free agency and the draft. And, and that's kind of what we're here to talk about today is, is the Ravens offense as we're heading into this off season. What, what do we need to get done? What do they need to handle here in order to come into next season and not have the same issues, uh, you know, moving the ball, the same issues, finishing drives uh, as we did this season? Obviously, as we know, as you've heard, probably ad nauseum on this podcast, injuries have played a role, but we're looking into the future now. And so, you know, I think the big question, the big question, the one we've all been waiting for, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Ron kick us off with this discussion is what's the state of the Ravens offense specifically under Greg Roman? Well, just right off the rip, I would say it's not as bad as you would think, judging by, you know, some of the things you see on social media and uh, things of that nature. But, I mean, they're still consistently one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. Before Lamar went down last season, there was that stretch where things really weren't clicking. But when you got Devontae Freeman in your backfield and you have, you know, Latavius Murray instead of J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, you know, it's, it's not going to be as consistent naturally just when you when you replace two guys of that caliber with guys that were walking on the street two weeks before training camp. It's just inevitable that there's going to be some pains here and there with that. And the same thing with the offensive line and all the injuries we saw there and the kind of hodgepodging the way that they were like putting things together throughout the course of the year. So just right off the rip, I would say. Heading into 2022, whether you want Roman gone or not, it's it's far from a doomsday scenario with him as the offensive coordinator right now. Yeah, I 100% agree with Ron. I mean, this is kind of how I felt about Wink uh, coming out of the end of the year. Just the Ravens lost so much on the offensive side of the ball. I just don't really think it's fair to hold Roman to – this high of a standard and it's just like we lost we lose we never got ronnie back to 100 percent. we had a revolving door at right tackle especially when mccary was hurt like we didn't have a healthy offensive line we didn't have our uh, any healthy running backs our wide receiver room was better but it, it was still inconsistent going down the stretch hollywood in particular so i just don't know if it's fair to greg roman to really hold him accountable. I mean, yes, he is calling the plays and he should be held accountable to a certain degree, but to act like the season was a total disaster considering everything that was lost is just, I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, again, we've, we've talked about this a lot in this podcast as well. 
The Ravens finished, what, fifth in total offensive yards this season. That's pretty remarkable considering all the ups and downs and the losses, the injuries. We know where they had issues. It was finishing in the red zone. It was that play. It was the play call in those goal to go situations. Um, and, and that's that's a clear improvement. But again, you know, like you guys are saying, Roman's built this offense and it is a very good offense. And I think sometimes we forget that because the record doesn't look like what we want it to. Uh, but you remember like the, some of the games this season, we, we engineered a 19 point comeback against the Colts and in watching that game back, it's a lot of Roman and, and you see how he can build drives and he knows how to use guys. So he, I think he, he belongs. I think obviously the pressure is on this season for him to deliver. You know, I was talking with Ben right before we started recording about Eric Bieniemy and how he's, you know, trying to figure out a deal with the chiefs. If he's going to remain there, if I'm the Ravens, and I am thinking about moving on from Roman. Bienemy is one of the guys I would call up and say, Hey, you had this time in Kansas City to play with, you know, to coach Patrick Mahomes. He's this amazing player, all these, these unique skill sets. How would you be interested in taking on a different challenge for a season, you know, maybe two with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and build a great offense here? I believe Bienemy is probably capable of that to, to take this offense to another level potentially and then get a head coaching job, which I'm sure is probably what he's ultimately looking for it's crazy that he hasn't gotten one yet and he may want to work up you know and, and want to get another successful stint at a different team under his belt before he goes for that big job of like the cowboys or something i mean i could see the enemy coaching us offensive coordinator for us next season does really well and jerry jones comes calling doesn't sound that crazy to me but you know i i think roman's the right guy for this season so but i think kind of on the same page the pressure is on this season yeah absolutely and uh just i guess Maybe I'm in the minority here, but I'm a little less bullish on the enemy at this point. Um, and it's it's a touchy subject, of course, because right now we're dealing with all this stuff with Brian Flores and African-American coaches not getting the opportunities that they deserve to be head coaches. But, I mean, Andy, that offense is Andy Reid's show, no matter how you slice it in Kansas City. I mean, he calls the plays. I'm, I'm sure – in certain situations, maybe, you know, blowouts in the ends of games, things like that. Maybe he'll give the reins over to the enemy, but Andy Reid has been the consistent play caller of that team the whole time. Now that's not to say that it's, it's not anything related to the enemy. You know what I mean? It's not saying he's not a talented coach, but I just, I don't know. It feels to me like maybe there's a reason that he hasn't been hired yet. And maybe it's not so much, uh, about the the issues that are going on and that are very real don't mistake what i'm saying at all but i just i don't know i guess i'm not quite as bullish on the enemy and i know we're not going to go into a big thing on that today because we have a lot to discuss but i just i don't know i've, I've seen stuff about I've, i mean i've seen interviews with reed when he says that like the enemy does take over play calling in certain situations and stuff like that and I think he can do it. I, I think he's perfectly capable of, of being a solid play caller. And I think it's just kind of an interesting angle to think about. Um, you know, we can, we can move on to the, to the categories, you know, again, we're going to be doing different categories than our usual ones for this, these off season podcasts. Um, so I'll just run through them real quick to let people know what to expect. And then we'll get started with the first one. Uh, we're going to talk about the biggest position of need and a low key position of need, maybe one that's a little underrated um, kind of in the same idea, the biggest free agency target. And then another under free under the radar free agency target. And then we're going to get into the draft. Who are some early round players? Who are some day two players? And then maybe, I know it's a bit early to talk about too many sleepers, 
some late round guys because it's it's you know pretty early to be too familiar with these guys. Um, but anyone that you've seen that maybe caught your eye so far. So uh, I would say let's start with biggest position of need. Uh, I mean, I think this one is like just pretty clear. It's pretty pretty two places. It's it's offensive line and it's specifically tackle and center. Um, you know, the state of those positions, center is to me in a weird way, actually a slightly bigger need because we don't have a center right now, right? We have multiple offensive tackles right now. Again, we don't know what Stanley's, we don't know what, how Stanley's going to come back um, or Jawan James for that matter, but between James, Stanley and Macari and even Phillips, I guess if we had to, even though I wouldn't really want him ever playing tackle, we have guys who can play tackle. We don't really have anyone who can snap the ball right now other than Tristan Colon Castillo. And I don't think he's ready to be our, our everyday starting center. Uh, so I think actually for me, center rises to the top of the list, slightly above tackle, which might be a hot take in, in the Ravens community right now. This is uh, So this is assuming that Bradley Bozeman doesn't re-sign with us. Yeah so, as it, uh, and, yeah, so I guess I should add that to you. As it stands right now, I mean, based on what John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta have said in their conference, in their press conferences, like anyone who's not re-signed right now is probably not going to get re-signed until free agency starts. Maybe someone like Campbell, since he decided to not retire, maybe he just re-ups with the team real quick. I could see that happening, but I can't see us re-signing anyone like Bozeman or, or anyone else major um, – before free agency starts, I think pretty much those guys have decided to test the waters and the Ravens know that they're, they're, they're prepared for that. So, mm. um, yeah, that's assuming. And, and then, you know, it's also, it's hard to assume with Stanley is the other thing, uh, you know, DaCosta seemed pretty optimistic, but it's tough to say, Ron, what do you think about positions of need on offense? Yeah, I think you pretty much just nailed the two biggest ones right there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because like, it's, it's pretty much all but a given at this point that Bozeman is going to test the market. It'll be interesting to see if they don't bring in Bozeman, will they try to get a guy like Jensen to come back on a one, two year deal? I know. I think we talked about that in the last podcast, but that would really help sure things up. But if not, yeah, those two positions, especially in the draft, they're going to be paramount in terms of what they do. I, the idea of them spending an early round pick on a center is a little bit to me, especially because, like we already had that hole filled last year. So with home, so many other like holes out there to fill, it would suck just kind of patching one that we lost in this off season. You know what I mean? When there's so many from last year, we still have to worry about. So, you know, like Linderbaum, things like that. I mean, it's not going to move the needle, but he would definitely add some consistency there. Um, yeah. I, I think maybe another spot that I would really like to see them add somebody is the third running back spot. I mean, we saw this year how quickly things can go south in that department. And I just think they could use a more pure pass catching kind of running back. You know what I mean? What they thought Justice Hill might be able to be for them. I think there's a there's some guys in this draft that could really help in that regard, especially in the mid rounds. Yeah, I think I think that's also like a good point. You see, I mean, even with all the injuries this year. You know, Freeman was really the only guy with much of anything out of the backfield anyway. Um, and also, honestly, it felt like, you know, Dobbins was Dobbins, you know, you hope is able to step into that role, but coming off an ACL tear, you know, they're also not going to, you know, run him into the ground either right away. So, you know, it'd be nice to have someone just as a change of pace guy to add a little juice. Um, were there any other like big positions in need that you see, uh, Ben, or do we want to like dive into the sneaky ones a little bit more, the, the underrated ones? Um, no, I think it's just, 
I think Eric DaCosta hasn't been very good since he's taken care since he's taken over for. Uh, but I think one of the biggest mistakes that he's made, maybe even the biggest, was assuming that Ronnie Stanley was going to come back this season, and it just put a huge damper on the beginning of the season because we did the Ravens didn't know what to do at tackle. Like it, uh, Villanueva was playing was started the started the season out of position at right tackle, and he looked awful at right tackle ronnie looked a few steps slow like it was just this huge mess all because of an assumption that ronnie was going to be healthy and we still don't know if he's going to be healthy so it's just tackle and center it's i mean it's not it's not the worst problem to have but just just because i really like what we have at guard i think cleveland and zeitler are going to be really good uh next year and we do have and we're going to have both of them next year and we have cleveland for another three years i also but hear a lot of the- i also hear a lot of really positive things uh about tyree phillips's guard I, the, like from what i hear the coaching staff the front office loves tyree phillips as a future guard for this team like he's had to play yeah, a bunch tyree of tackle be, yeah yeah he's had to play a bunch of tackle and i think they feel like that's kind of throwing him for a loop and he's not really been able to show what he sees, but I wouldn't rule out him winning the left guard spot out of camp either next year. Well, I think, uh, I don't, I don't really know what, what to expect from Cleveland. Like we, he came in, like he was getting a lot of love from the fan base on social media because he's, he's a very big man. Uh, but yeah, Tyree, he did get, he did get a bit of a hard rap because he's been playing out of position since he came into the NFL. And I think we might not see more of him until until because Zeitler signed a two year deal uh, with Baltimore, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So we might not see we might not see more of him until after next season when Zeitler is gone. Because I mean, I feel like Cleveland is going to come in. I feel like Cleveland is going to be a very good development. Like I think he's going to make a bit some steps next year in his, his development. But yeah, uh, in terms of biggest position of need. We got to protect Lamar. Like, <laughs> Joe Burrow almost died last night uh, on that field. We can't let Lamar get beat up any more than he already has been. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's pretty much where everyone agrees is where capital needs to go. Um, and moving on now, the kind of the low-key positions of need, you know, it's, it's it's you know, a piece was written by, by our friend James Ogden. He's appeared on the pod before. I think last week about how a wide receiver, he specifically talked about Traylon Burks might be a target at 14 as, as an adding a wide receiver um, might be a move for the Ravens to make. Um, and, and there, there there's, I think I, there's a lot in there that I'd want to flesh out more that we don't have time for here. Um, but I will say in the NFL, like if you're not catching up, you're falling behind. And so I think in terms of thinking that, Oh, we're set at wide receiver, I really like what we have at wide receiver room. We've raved about the receivers on this podcast all season, but at the same time, if it makes sense and you can't add another weapon, always add another weapon. You see what happens with injuries and you see what happens with teams like the 49ers that are able to make these runs despite a quarterback who's not that great because they have so many great weapons. And then you think about giving those weapons to a quarterback that is great, like Lamar Jackson, you know, yes, protect him. That that needs to be a priority, but we also don't have to stop getting him weapons while we're doing it. Uh, and kind of along the same line, you know, I have tight end slash fullback as a thing here because we're going to need a fullback. I don't know if Ben Mason is that guy. You know, it's just really unclear. He's really small compared to Ricard. He's not the same style player, really. Um, Ricard hitting free agency is big, but tight end is kind of in the same way, having a pass catcher who can you know, help move the chains and be a better passing target so we can pass out of heavy sets more like we used to with Hayden Hurst. 
Um, and, you know, Nick Boyle getting healthier and more able to be a receiving target will help too. But, you know, I think those are two kind of low-key positions of need. Uh, you know, what else did you feel like you wanted to improve on the offense? Uh, both of those are really good for starters. I think if they're going to go receiver in this year's draft, it would be more of like a, maybe one of those big name guys in the second round slips and falls. Maybe they jump on it, but it's, it's so funny because Joe Burrow is kind of like in the Bengals as a whole are kind of like the case study for this whole thing. And it's so interesting because they went the route of, Oh, we can't pass on chase, even though we need to tackle. He's so good. And chase was so good. And he, he was a big part of the reason why they literally got to the Super Bowl. But at the same time, ultimately the same reason they didn't win a Super Bowl was because they didn't draft protection for Joe Burrow. So it's this weird kind of like chicken or the egg sort of thing. I'm not really sure how you would call it, but it, it's uh, very interesting in that regard. Um, and talking about the tight ends, uh, when we start talking about draft sleepers, I'll, I'll address that so we won't go too, too much into it. But in terms of a low key position of need, I think, I think you pretty much nailed them all there. Yeah. The, 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 I guess the, the addition of another wide receiver, be it another veteran guy like Watkins, who I'd be surprised if was back next year, if we're just calling yeah. it how we see it um, either way through the draft or signing a guy, I think that would probably be low key, the most, uh, most kind of crucial. And that's, kind of a that's assuming they're going to make a play on pat ricard if we don't have a fullback then that that pretty much elevates right into the you know most dire positions of need in, a, in an offense that's going to run as much as this one is yeah again kind of along the lines of protecting lamar jackson right ben yeah i think uh in terms of like low-key positions of need i wouldn't mind to see them grab a running back somewhere in the draft uh, i am incredibly biased here so excuse me but I would love to see the Ravens make a play for Kennedy Brooks on either day two. And if he falls, I don't think he'll fall all the way to day three, but I think Kennedy Brooks would be good in the mid round. If he slips, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the, how high teams are on running backs this year, but I think Kennedy Brooks is going to, and I think, I think he just fit in well as a third running back. Like he reminds me a lot of, honestly, he reminds me a lot of Gus. He can, run you over if you if you give him too much space and he can also kill you with his speed and i just don't think that justice hill is going to be the third running back on this team next year and like we saw this year we we can lose running very quickly uh, in the span of a couple of weeks so just an, another just another young deep talented guy in the mid rounds of the draft like Kennedy Brooks i feel like that would be a good add for this offense yeah, I'm curious because we named a we named a segment of our podcast after Devonta Freeman. I'm curious to see like does he resign? I don't think Murray resigns, um, but I'm curious to see. I think Murray's the big question, or I think you know if Freeman resigns, then you've got Hill and and definitely some new blood coming in, and we'll, and we'll see who's in the mix for the, for the running back competition. I think it'll be pretty interesting to see, like it was this preseason as well. Honestly, it was fun this preseason to see who was going to be the third string running back, and we'll have that again. Uh, moving on to biggest free agency target, and I'm talking like. Um, I guess like your biggest swing, let's, let's get like, let's get a premium, let's get a premium signing. Let's, let's get the, you know, best possible thing we can, but still within reason for, for like how much the Ravens can, can typically afford. So I'm going to start with just one. And then if no one else hits my second one, I'll come around to it later. Let's go, let's go for broke here. Um, Again, this, this does depend heavily on the status of Ronnie Stanley, 
But if in a month the Ravens aren't sure that Ronnie aren't a hundred percent sure Ronnie Stanley is going to be able to play during the 2022 season, I think they need to try and make the room to go sign Taron Armstead. Go just go get the best left tackle. If if Stanley isn't ready to come back and play left tackle full time a couple weeks into the season, and I really would think he should be ready by week one, honestly. And if that's not looking like it's the case, just go get your guy. I, I don't, I'm not sure I want to worry about like, depending on what you're thinking at tackle in the draft and stuff like that. If Armstead is going to come to Baltimore and, and he'll take not a crazy deal, maybe a little bit less to play on a team and get a ring but with a good shot at getting a ring. I'd try and sell him because he's a great pass protector and he's a pretty powerful run blocker too. Yeah, that would be, that would be interesting. But um, so my free agent that, that I would like to see the big swing on would be Allen Robinson. And I know a lot of people might not want to see them invest a lot of money into a receiver. And that's, that's totally understandable, especially when they're going to have this decision on Marquise coming next year. But Robinson feels like a guy after a really down year that, you know, he was injured here and there. It just, I mean, it was with the exception of the years that he was hurt. It's the worst year of his career. So he could be a guy looking to go to a contender on a one-year deal. Now, I'm sure he'd probably be looking for more targets. You know, he'd be looking for a situation that he could best prove that he still got it so he can go and get a longer-term deal off of that. But, hey, if he want, if he's just looking for a team that he knows is going to win and, know, and is going to be competing and that he could still be a crucial part of, I mean, why not come to Baltimore, you know? I don't want, if for nothing else, you know, a one-year deal on what they're probably going to end up paying Marquise going forward after this season anyway. Yeah. Ben? Uh, I think uh, I think that in terms of like what the what I think the Ravens need and my big my big free agent swing isn't really that big of a swing because like I just don't think the Ravens really need to a big splash in free agency this year like I just feel like the offensively. way they're built offensively the way they're built i just don't think being i don't think it's the time to be sexy and go and get a big name i think um one guy that i would really like to see get on the offense would be bring home ryan jensen bring bring back bring bring back the big fella he we honestly if we're being real we never should have let him leave first of all and if we're looking for guys for for building a bully which is something that i'm still waiting to see uh, Ryan Jensen isn't going to let anyone touch Lamar Jackson. Tell it to him, Ben. After the whistle. Preach. <laughs> I'm so about that, man. I, I watched a couple I mean, days I ago would... that clip of Kiko of Kiko Alonso not like destroying uh, Joe Flacco and, and Jensen just getting up and being like, you're going to yeah. die now. Like, you just touched my quarterback. You're going to die now. So, absolutely. <laughs> I just think for in terms of just in terms of both football and intangible sense, it just makes sense because if Bozeman prices himself out, which he was, depending on what metric you're looking at, he was a top three center in football this year. Uh, I think in pass block win rate, he was two. Humphrey was one. Um, so if you're looking for a guy who can replace Bozeman, at a good cost, which I think Jensen will be. I think I just think Ryan Jensen makes a lot of sense, and he's only 30 years old, so it's not like he's really 
old or that he's exiting his athletic prime or anything. I think he's still got a few good years of football left in him. And if we're looking for someone who's not going to take the BS and let not let people touch his quarterback, bring Ryan Jensen back to Baltimore. Just, uh, I think that's I just, a, I just feel like that's a, that's a great argument, man. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. That's, that's what you want. It's what the team needs. I, I totally agree. I think that's, that's, that's honestly maybe the best offensive free agent signing I can think of is Ryan Jensen. In terms of uh, what you guys wanted to get, like uh, it, Alan Robinson, like, and this is kind of the same reason I'm not big on drafting a wide receiver early. It's just Greg Roman's offense with how run heavy it is with three, hopefully three running backs coming out of the backfield that can uh, eat up, eat up uh, touches and Lamar who, who we all know is going to be getting his own running touches. It's hard enough spreading the ball out between young receivers who don't have that kind of wide receiver one like outlook. And I just feel like bringing in a guy like Allen Robinson would throw that off. And it's just, I just don't know if just bringing in a big name wide receiver, like obviously it would help Hollywood and Duvernay and get some attention off of them. But I feel like when the running game is as good as it should be when it's at its peak, that does enough to take the heat off the receivers. And I just don't think bringing in an Allen Robinson, unless he is extraordinarily cheap for what he's going to want, I just don't think bringing in Allen Robinson would be the answer there. I think Jensen would be, I just think he fits more need and I think it makes more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think Jensen's the, for me, I think Jensen's the guy Robinson is the kind of guy where you, I'd love to see it. I just, I'm not sure. I just don't think we can afford to vote dollars there at this point. It's the kind of thing you would have really loved to see going into the 2020 season. That's to me, that would have been the time for them to do the free or the wide receiver free agent signing. Um, Cause that would have given, it would have done exactly, you know, what, 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 you know, what you're saying is in terms of men training younger guys, but it would have done it sooner when they were younger and then they could be starters in their second, third, fourth years in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving on now, we got the, um, you know, the, the under the radar free agency targets. These are fun because it's, it's always interesting to think about guys who, you know, were in certain roles on, on, on a previous team and then, you know, just come to a new team and do really well because their coaches use them in a different way or they, you know, they were used in a different role. What's funny is I actually think it's about getting a guy back to the, the role he used to play. And this is probably not going to be a super flashy pick you know where i'm going you might be mad at me for taking this ron but hayden hurst also another reunion we should, Damn we should go you after to heck. You yep. <laughs> that's a common one though you can't you can't be mad at me i'm i'm letting you no, guys yeah. do more creative work than me um that's one where i just think you know great pass catcher and and he's you know he's he's proven he can he can work as the third tight end in this offense really well um you know i don't know what his I don't know what his money range would be, but it can't be crazy high. Um, and then I think there, but it's kind of an interesting tight end class too, because there are two other guys I want to mention, um, or I'm sorry, three, actually there's Mo Ali Cox, who I think had a really, had a really good year with, with the Colts this year. And I just think he might be a little bit too pricey, but I'm also just not really sure how he's perceived around the league. I think he has a lot of talent as like a second, like not necessarily a primary receiving option, tight end type thing, but you know, he, he had 24 catches for 316 yards this year, nothing crazy, but I think he could be a pretty effective third tight end for us for cheap. Um, and I kind of think the same thing about OJ Howard. Uh, OJ Howard is going to leave, uh, 
you know, Tampa Bay and he needs to go find a place to prove himself because he just, I don't think he really proved himself as a player, as a, as an NFL tight end who can dominate the way he OJ Howard did in college. So I'm just, I think adding a third tight end is, is through the free agency class is the right way to go. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some names out there. Uh, this one's probably going to make people cringe a little bit, but even a guy like Eric Ebron, if he's super duper cheap, maybe bring him in to be the number two tight end emphasis. Number two. To just, yeah. And the know, other thing is like, just we're, talking, we're talking about the number two tight end here. So I know I don't want people to come for me and say, Oh, he wants to sign Eric Ebron. It's like, no, relax. Just throwing yeah, it. Arguably, arguably three behind Boyle. Well, and the other thing is it's also yeah, like yeah. You know, some of the guys you take a flyer on, you see how it fits, but anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. You're good. You're good. Um, well, you definitely stole mine with Hayden Hurst here. So I'm going to kind of uh, go on the fly here and go with a guy. So I mentioned before that I wanted to see them bring in more of a pure pass catching running back for the number three. And if they prefer to not spend a draft pick on that, a guy that will be a free agent this year. And that will be, you know, pennies on the dollar in terms of his contract would be Brandon Bolden from new England. He was their number one pass catching back this year. He did a pretty solid job for what they asked him to do. He had some good games, especially when their other backs like Stevenson and uh, Damian Harris were injured at certain points of the year. So I think he could at least come in and provide some value in terms of catching the ball. If, they're, if they're not thrilled with bringing back like somebody like Freeman, you know what I mean? Something like that. So I guess that's kind of a name really bottom of the barrel here that I wouldn't totally hate to see them make a move on and then use the draft pick they were going to spend on a running back elsewhere. Well, first of all, Ronald, I'm very upset with you because I was going to make the joke that they should sign Eric Ebron and you <laughs> stole my thunder there. So now I can't say that. <laughs> and Nikhil, you stole my thunder with the Hayden Hurst thing. I thought I was going to be clever with that. But since both of you want to be jerks, uh, I mean, if we're looking at former Raven tight ends here, Max Williams is a free agent. Yeah, that, That's interesting to me, too. I mean, yeah. It's Mac, I mean, Max Williams, he's, on, I mean, he's only 27. I think he'll be 28 by the time the season gets going but he's we know he can be at least decent in Baltimore we've seen him play it never really worked out the way it should have for him here um but he what he was projected very like he was very high we were very high on him when he was coming out of uh, Minnesota so I mean I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back deep and I think the I mean, it didn't – I just don't think blocking-wise definitely didn't work with only Andrews and Boyle, and Boyle was only healthy half the time, so – and Ricard was basically playing tight end. So if we're looking for a tight end and he's going to come cheap, why not bring back Max Williams? Yeah, and I'm, I'm double-checking. Williams, you know, went and played for the Cardinals, and, you know, that's a RPO read option offense that he kind of stayed in. Um, you know, even he, I mean, he, he played with us in uh, 2018, but then wasn't really a part of the Jackson led offense nearly as much, you know, in the cards with, with the cards, he was all right. No one uh, to catch a pass was involved yeah. in the 2018 Lamar Jackson offense. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and so early, early in this, early in the season before he got hurt, like he was pretty decent. I mean, he wasn't anything to really write home about, but I mean, like he had a 94 yard game. He had another five catch 66, like. It wasn't yeah, you're talking about a third like, tight the injury end, is like, just the concern. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, this is the upgrade over like Eric Tomlinson. And while it's not like crazy in terms of difference between players, it is like, okay, Eric Tomlinson is just not a guy you need to 
worry about nearly as much. He is almost purely a blocker. And Williams at least offers a little more of a receiving threat. So yeah, I think I think tight end seems to be a, a cool free. It's a cool tight end free agent class. A lot of interesting names. I'm curious to see where we go with it. Um, you know, moving on to our uh, our day one our day one draft target. Uh, let's let's say for right now we're picking at 14. There's there's talk about trading up and trading back and all that stuff all the time. But let's say right now we're picking at 14. And so I don't steal anything from either of you fine gentlemen. Let's go in the reverse order, Ben. Give us your your number one draft target for the Ravens at fourteen. Um, you know, I don't know if he is the ideal guy at fourteen. Um, but if he, I mean, I w- I definitely wouldn't hate it at fourteen. I loved what I saw from what I saw from him in the drills at the Senior Bowl. Trevor Penning looks like an absolute bully, and I would absolutely love to see him block for Lamar. And I mean, hey, we know he looks good in purple, but I think uh, I ideally, though, I think he if they take him, it'll be after trading back. But I definitely wouldn't be again uh, picking him at 14, especially if tackles start flying off the board. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. He would probably be my number one choice in terms of offense right now. Like. I don't know if I really want them unless it's unless it's Trevor Penning or I guess Linderbaum, even though I just said like sat here before and said that it's not really a sexy move, but in terms of like realistic, like, I mean, of course I'd love Evan Neal, but he's not going to be there. You know what I mean? Tags might take him at one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I guess Penning would be my choice too. And I guess, just for the sake of being different, I'll throw Linderbaum in there. But I think really my focus in the in the first round, at least, if they stay at 14, I would like to see them go defense there probably. You know, maybe uh, we, we'll, we'll talk about that in the next podcast. But, yeah, exactly. I'm right yeah, there. Offensive worth... episode. This is the offense episode, Ron. I know. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to go on a tirade. A tirade. I had to stop myself. So, yeah, I'll yeah, say either I guess... Penning or Linderbaum. Well, and I guess it's like I did kind of limit limit you guys and us and that. I'll, I'll send it back around and say, you know, would you – if you had to trade up or trade down, what would you do and who would you target in doing that? So, you know, one, I agree, Penning and Linderbaum are kind of the two guys. For me, Linderbaum is like you don't sign Bozeman, you don't sign Jensen, you draft Linderbaum at 14, and you're done with it. That's pretty easy for me. I'm okay with that if that's really the route they want to go. Because to me, that also means they're making a splash in free agency elsewhere, most likely. Um, and they're doing something with not going after Bozeman or, or a, a top five center, which is really what we'd be doing. If we tried to sign Bozeman or Jensen, we'd be trying to sign a top five center in the league, I feel like, or close to it. And so um, Linderbaum, to me, is, is the guy if we don't sign anyone else. I'm not as high on him in general, but I do think like he could just be like locked down the center position for the next five years. And that's a great thing to do. Um, here's, the thing that, here's the thing about Linderbaum. Uh, I don't know, like, centers are always weird when it comes down to draft time because we never really know how high they're being valued. Because look at Creed Humphrey, he fell all the way to the bottom of the second round. So Linderbaum could fall too. So the Ravens might end up trading back and getting Linderbaum anyway. Like, we've seen it time and time again with centers. Like, centers, for whatever reason, just don't go high. Yeah, that's a good point. So and so, 
Yeah, and, and in terms of trading, you know, I we mentioned trade back and take petting. That's something that I'm like totally on board for. You pick up a second or third rounder, something like that. That's easy, done. Add another, add another draft pick. You'll get another player. Um, but there, if if to me, if if Neil somehow falls out of the top five, I'm 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 gonna make the I'm gonna call and see what it would take. Um, yeah. If Ike McWanu falls probably past like seven or eight i'm calling mm-hmm. same thing with cross like if if if, if cross and iguana were both around at seven i'm gonna start calling the guys with eight nine ten and if mm-hmm. the price is too high but they don't but they're not mm-hmm. but no one's taking them yet and 10 11 comes around and either cross or iguana are available i'm doing what it takes like at that point that trade-up is not mm-hmm. too hard we have the extra picks in this draft and we all we get extra picks. We wake up draft day morning like it's Christmas morning with extra picks every year and find them somehow. And so I, I really think if, if Cross or Equanu are there at nine, I'm I'm starting to I'm 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 on board for that. I don't know how aggressive I'd be in terms of trade offers, but definitely 10-11. Uh, I'm there. Yeah. I mean that that pretty much feels like the consensus, those first you know, four or five tackles. It's like, you know, pretty much any of those guys we'd be cool with. And then there's that big drop off after that. So yeah, an idea of trading up for one of those bigger name guys would definitely be awesome. And also I'll spare you guys my Homer moment, even though Ben had his before about trading back for Chris Olave in the first round. So we won't go there today. All right, so moving on to like our, our day two draft targets, and these are you know round, rounds two and three, guys. Guys, we're thinking about in that in that range. Uh, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to continue to steal your prospects, Ron. You start this time. Let's let's switch it up. Good. <laughs> Even though I don't think you I don't think you would have taken my guy anyway. Uh, we've been talking a lot about tight ends today, and there's a guy there in the middle rounds, Isaiah Likely, out of Coastal Carolina, that I feel like I fall in love with any the more and more that I watch his film. He's so athletic. He's a great pass catcher. I mean, the idea of him and Mark Andrews on the field at the same time, you know, in the slots with like Bateman and Hollywood, whoever on the outside, I mean, it almost feels borderline indefensible. Like the guy is just a freak. And he was a big part of why Coastal Carolina has kind of had this rise through college football. We've seen these last couple of years. They were a no-name school. And then, you know, he was a big part of the reason that they're now, what, two years in a row consistently ranked. I mean, the guy the guy is just a freak. He really is. And um, offensively, like day two guys on offense, I just – I'm drawing a total blank here. Like, I mean, other than Kennedy Brooks, I just don't know what I would really, really want. Like, I would ah, – it's, it's, it's tough. Like, just picking – just one guy to be like my favorite is just. So I tough, mean, just but, throw out a couple I mean, names if, if you want. Like just. I mean, just throw out I a couple names I if you want. Yeah. Know. I mean, this is uh, Spencer Schultz's Ravens for Dummies. Uh, I think this is his draft crush, Daniel uh, Falele, uh, out of Minnesota. Is just a very, very big man. I mean, if the Ravens go with Linderbaum in the first round or uh, Ojibo uh, at 14, I think he would be a very Ravens pick in the second, in the second, either on day two or no, he's not falling past round two. So yeah, he, I think that would be a really good pick in the second round if he's there. Yeah. 
Falele didn't have the senior bowl. People thought people thought he might really pop at the senior bowl and shoot all the way into the first round. He didn't necessarily fall. He had good reps and looked all right, but he wasn't like the I'm going to come in and, and, and rise into the first round as the physical tackle prospect this year. So I do think it's possible that he's there at 45 and he, and he would be such he would be I'd be very, very happy getting him at 45. Um, you know, there's even talk of trading earlier into the, in, into the second, earlier up into the second to go after him. Um, you know, I'll stick, I'll stick with the, I'll stick with the linemen. A couple guys intrigue me on, on day two. Partially, it's just a couple guys who I feel like are really high floor. And I think they're projected to go in rounds two or three. Um, Nicholas Petit Frere and uh, Rashid Walker. Walker, I don't know uh, if he's necessarily as much of a day two or day three guy, um, but three-year left tackle starter at, at Penn State and j- just played well and seems to have everything he needs to, but it just it feels like he hasn't been able to put it all together yet. He'd be a little bit more of a developmental guy, um, whereas Petit Frere is, is a, he's smooth. He's got a lot of good tape, but he's inconsistent, and so I think – he needs to build into consistency, but I think he's like both have all the tools and the skills necessary to be a, a starting starting tackle in the NFL. Um, and another one is uh, two more I want to talk about because we're talking about centers as well. Dylan Parham and Zion Johnson are two guys who are trying to work on transitioning from guard to center. Parham also played a little bit of right tackle in college, so he's really versatile. But if we were to sign someone like Jensen on a one to two year deal, I would want us to look at drafting a maybe a guy who you know, was a really good interior lineman, but just didn't play center in college, but is learning to play center now. Parham and Johnson are two guys who are working on that, especially at the senior bowl. And so I wouldn't be opposed to taking a look at them in the second round either if we don't go O-line in the first. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or just one more name I want to throw in before we move on is, uh, you know, I feel like I'm on the pass catching running back sort of train today. And uh, Hassan Haskins out of Michigan, and for, for me to ever recommend a Michigan guy, it's like uh, gritting my teeth. But, uh, I mean, 6'1", 220. He's got really good size. He's a good pass catching back. He's really good at pass blocking, which is, you know, protect Lamar. That's what we talk about. So, as a you know, maybe a third, fourth round guy, he, he would be a really nice get. I mean, obviously, there's ties there in terms of John and Jim, so it would make sense in that regard. So, that's another name to kind of be on the lookout for in those middle rounds. Yeah. And then, and then moving on again, I know it's super early and, and you don't need to, you don't need a detailed scouting report of anyone, but just anyone who got ideas for some early, early sleeper, early late round targets that you think the Ravens could snag might be a good pick. Ron. Um, yeah, well, I, th- I think, I guess I probably shouldn't have thrown that one out there because that could have been my choice. It's not Haskins, but <laughs> really um, just, there's a lot of running backs in those mid rounds um, that, I, that I really like. Uh, ben mentioned one in Kennedy Brooks. Um, I mean, there's Dalvin Cook's brother, James, out of Georgia. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, Tyler Goodson out of Iowa. There's, there's a, this is a very interesting draft because I feel like it's very deep in the middle in terms of running backs. And that's also under, going under the assumption still that NFL teams aren't valuing backs like – they know that like they used to in the past, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like every year more and more, we just see running backs get kind of kicked to those middle rounds because the position overall isn't really valued as much as it used to be. So there's going to be a lot of names there and it's uh, going to be really interesting to see. Uh, Damian Pierce is another one from Florida too. So there, there's a lot of guys out there. 
Ben, any any Sooners we need to know about in the late rounds here? Uh, funny you should say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to kind of cheat on this one because this this is a guy. He he's a he's a defensive player. Nick Benito, uh, the edge. Um, you know, this is a pick I think would have made a lot more sense if Wink didn't get fired. Um, because Wink loves guys that get their pressures, and no Big 12 defender had more had got to the quarterback more than Nick Benito this year. Like I think he le- he led the Big 12 in pressure percentage according to PFF. So, I mean, I think it made a lot more sense with Wink, but I mean, to, if he's there in round three to put him on the uh, opposite of Vadafe, that could be very attractive for the Ravens, and maybe a bit too attractive to pass up. This yeah, is yeah, the offensive think... show, but we'll let it slide. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> let it slide since since he's a Sooner, and we, we know we know. Well, we know how much the Ravens love the Sooners. Honestly, I mean, they they got they got a bunch on their team, so we'll let that slide. I got I got a couple guys I want to throw in. I just uh, one is Kellen Deesh. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his last name from Arizona State. Um, you know, power five tackle played really well his whole career. Didn't ever didn't doesn't really look like he's got any massive glaring holes. He's just a little undersized at tackle for this offense. And so I have like concerns about his, his ability to be like a power block and tackle. And as a result, he doesn't really, he's not really a candidate to either slide in and back up inside either. And so, you know, his pass pro seems pretty solid, but I just don't know if he's got the run power, like the run blocking, just raw power kind of thing to, to fit on the Ravens team. But he's someone I want to watch and, and get a better idea. I'm very curious how he tested the combine. Another guy I'm so curious how he tested the combine is Jelani Jones, or sorry, Jelani Woods. Make sure I get his name right. Jelani Woods, UVA tight end. Big guy was uh, at uh, his first school. He was at Oklahoma State. And he was 275, I think, playing tight end. I'm really curious how he tests the combine because he's a huge tight end. I think he could, I think he's, uh, I got to watch more of him, but I think, I think he could be an all right blocker. And I think the Ravens do a good job of coaching up their tight ends and blocking anyway. But I think he could have, I want to see how fast he is. I'm curious to see if he could be that, that vertical threat, that third receipt, that receiving threat at tight end, as opposed to Nick Boyle as the blocker that we've been talking about as a potential, you know, late round sleeper to take a flyer on. So I'd like to keep an eye on him, especially going into combine. Ben, any other, uh, any other, any other comments about the Ravens offense as we, as we hurdle towards the off season here? Well, I mean, it's, I kind of alluded to this early in the show, but we just watched Joe. Bur- I've been saying it for week for the last two weeks. Joe Burrow is going to get murdered against, this Rams defensive front and if and Lamar Jackson he got beat up all year when he was healthy and then he missed five games and the Ravens lost six straight games and five straight without him so there's you need to build the offensive line it that should that should absolutely be the number one priority uh on whatever board Eric DaCosta is looking at for his priorities this offseason it's just there's it doesn't get going and especially the offense in which the Ravens use because I mean the last time we had a good O line, Lamar Jackson won MVP, and the Ravens should have gone to the Super Bowl. So it's just it's a matter of I just think we, the big boys they need some help up front. Good way of saying it, Ron. Last thoughts on the Ravens offense? Yeah, uh, just to kind of piggyback off of what Ben said, blocking, blocking, blocking. I mean, the the running back situation, even if they don't pick somebody up it'll be stable. And I know it's kind of funny to say that when you guys, when you have two guys coming back 
from torn ACLs. But I mean, if there's any guys at all that I think can come back from that and still be productive, I think Gus and JK Dobbins are both two of those guys. So really the hyper focus just has to be on adding linemen, adding a blocking tight end, you know, if they can't bring back Ricard, bringing in another fullback who can at least do some of the things that he did in terms of keeping Lamar upright. And outside of that, there's no reason that this shouldn't be a Super Bowl offense. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, one, one name that just hasn't come up that much in this, I mean, we haven't talked too much about the current roster because we've been focusing on the off season, but we still have Lamar Jackson. We, we've still got that guy. And, and, and again, Lamar Jackson is going to be that guy again next season. Uh, I, you know, I think we're all, we're all expecting a pretty, pretty big explosion. I'm sure he's, he's planning one too. So thank you, Ben, Ron, for, for, for being on here. Uh, you know, come back and we'll be doing an off-season preview of the defense. We'll be going through all these similar categories, getting ready for the defense. And we'll also be uh, taking a little peek ahead to the NFL Combine, get ready to, to see what to expect from some of our favorite prospects that we've alluded to so far. Thank you guys right. so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Ben, thanks for joining us. Ron, as always. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Ben, Boomer Sooner. Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Thanks for everyone for listening. We'll see you soon.